0: This is Daily Devotions Best Of with Pastor Tim Dodson from J.F. Believers Church. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting jfbelievers.com Mark chapter 12 Verse 9 of our text says, What therefore will the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the farmers and will give the vineyard to others. Haven't you even read this scripture, quote, the stone which the builders rejected was made head of the corner, end quote. This was from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now, what Jesus is asking here is what should be the proper response to this kind of rebellion? First of all, did the Lord of the vineyard refuse to complete his task and his calling? Oh no. He died even for all those who shouted for His death. He humbled Himself for all those who cried for His humiliation. But that is not all of the story. He indeed completed His side of the deal. He died to redeem mankind. He paved the way for those who would desire to have fellowship with Him. Yet for those who still, even now, refuse the owner of the vineyard, He simply gave them the fruit of their decision. Just like in every other aspect of life, there is a harvest that comes from whatever we decide concerning Jesus. We will indeed, quote, reap what we sow, end quote. The rock, apparently, had been rejected. The Greek implies that the stone was first inspected and then ultimately rejected. Yet despite such, he being Jesus would indeed still become the chief cornerstone these men were there in the vineyard they saw all the beautiful harvest of such a fine garden yet when that time came to give back they refused so God came and he took the vineyard away from them and gave it to others Sadly, I have watched this scene replay over and over again in some, and many actually, of the lives of those who once shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Verse 12 says, They tried to seize him, but they feared the multitude, for they perceived that he spoke the parable against them. They left him and went away. So despite the warnings, there still was no repentance. Even as the people sat in literal bondage before an occupying army, prisoners in their own land, through the Roman government, they still refused to repent. You see, their pride would rob them of so very much, even in this life, and then it would ultimately destroy them for all of eternity. They would be the seed that fell amongst the thorns, quote, end quote. The cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word and he became unfruitful. Matthew 13, 22. Finally, text says, they left him and went away. I guess this is the period at the end of the story. Verse 13 of our text says they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to him that they might trap him with Words. When they had come, they asked him, Teacher, we know that you are honest and don't defer to anyone. For you aren't partial to anyone, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, it appears these religious pit bulls were just simply unrelenting. Trap after trap they laid, yet always ended up empty-handed. Now here, they again move to try to catch Jesus in a wrong word. One slip up that could cost him his life. Mistake that would rid them of this man (laughs) for good. What they could not find a reason to do, you see, the Romans, well, they could do in a moment. So there was this thinking that perhaps they could get Rome. To do their dirty work, thus they devised a plan that they would be that would be foolproof, one that would lead the Romans to finish Jesus. And the question was pitched: Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, if he answered yes, he would then therefore be labeled a Roman patsy, an enemy collaborator, and. The people would stone him to death. With an answer no, the Romans would see him as an instigator and would move to put him down also. It's interesting that here in both sides of the religious right were represented that day. Yet you have the Pharisees, they were firmly Jewish traditionalists, yet they generally were self-preservationists actually. And the Herodians, they were Jewish turncoats who back to the Roman occupation for their own selfish gain. Generally, these two groups disdained one another. Yet here we have that true embodiment of the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But let us make note that in this quandary lies a still larger question. Should they pay taxes to a government that does not represent their personal self-interest? Should we... Verse 15 of our text says, Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. And they brought it, and he said to them, Who is this image and inscription? And they said to him, Caesar's. Now it's interesting that those who even today have a problem with the idea of paying taxes They essentially have that problem primarily because they think the money is theirs. But therein lies the real issue because the thought is, it's my vineyard. However, the fact is, it isn't our vineyard. So why do we insist on living like it is? The Bible explicitly tells us that this world is not our home. We are not of this world. We are but sojourners. In everything we have, Every penny that we own will be left behind when we leave this earth. Jesus, verse 17, answered them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled greatly. So Jesus says to give it up. We are to use money both to survive in this fallen world and to further the kingdom of God. But let us remember that ultimate care does not come from this kind of earthly sustenance. First Timothy chapter 2, verse one and two, says, "I exhort, therefore, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high places, that they may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and reverence." That was our daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim or JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.